We've all got questions about the Bible and Christianity. Some of us are Christians and want to know how best to live for God and show our love for Him. Some of us are curious about what it means to follow Jesus. And some of us are skeptical of the idea of religion in general. Whatever your background, we invite you into these conversations that strive to take an honest look at what the Bible has to say on a wide variety of subjects. Each week, we will discuss questions that have been sent in from all around the world and try to find truth and practical application in God's Word. If you have any questions or follow-up comments, contact us anytime by emailing info at broadwaycoc.com. I'm Jed Lovejoy, and these are Conversations with Dan. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we did a question about elderships, and it was related to kind of single men being elders and things. Got a lot of comments on it back and forth. Uh, several people said it was very useful. Uh, but there was also some discussion that went out from there that's going to be our follow-up for today. Okay. And so the first bit of it was based on how do we know that those qualifications that we discussed last time are a plan or a set of qualifications that are fixed for all men? How do we know when those might change or will they ever change in a cultural context? Okay. <clears throat> I think kind of to, because there may be a, mm. a situation out there where someone's going, well, I don't have anyone in my church that can be one of these elders, and I may not for a long time if, you know, you don't want to say if ever, if you've got a growing church. So what do you do about time. that? Yeah. Well, um, to, to start answering that question, I would go all the way back into the Old Testament scriptures. And in Exodus 18, this is where um, Moses was told to um, appoint some other men to share the leadership mm -hmm. with him. And um, Jethro, his father-in-law, is giving him this advice, which he took. Right. And if you'll start with Exodus 18 and... Verse 19, and just read it down a little ways there. Okay. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them known in the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. All right, now let's just look carefully at verse 21. Mm -hmm. Men who, capable men, men who fear God, trustworthy, who hate dishonest gain. Doesn't that sound a lot like... The it's New very Testament similar. qualifications. Yeah. Min so, minus some of those details. Yeah, minus some of the details, but it sounds pretty much like these men need to fit certain characteristics if you're going to trust them with this leadership mm. over, the, um, over the people. Um, then in the book of Numbers, okay. and I'm not sure if, I don't think this is worded quite the same way, but Numbers chapter 27. Okay. When Moses knows he's going to go up on the mountain and die, and mm -hmm. um, he says in verse 15, go ahead and read there. 
Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation, who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man whom is the Spirit, a man in, in whom, whom is the Spirit, mm-hmm. and lay your hands on him. All right, so here's Joshua, and he needs to be a shepherd for the people, mm-hmm. and he needs to be a man in whom is the Spirit. Well, and in, Spirit there, I assume, is not just like the soul. No, I think he's talking about God's influence is mm-hmm. obvious in this man's life. Yeah. And, of course... You know, in the New Testament, such a man would would demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, such a man would be walking according to the revelations of the Spirit. Mm. And so while that's not an expanded qualification, it certainly is a general qualification that would cover most of the other things that you can right. think about. And this, this man had been apprenticed by Moses. Okay. He had been with Moses up the mountain. He had been with Moses at the tent of meeting and went to receive revelations in Exodus 33. Um, and he was well qualified to do this. Um, now, when you, when you continue to um, go through here, you have, um, you have, for example, in the Old Testament, uh, prophets. Mm-hmm. And they were one of the groups that were considered to be shepherds in Israel. And, of course, the kings and the priests were uh, viewed as shepherds of sorts over Israel, spiritual leaders of Israel. Right. But in the book of 1 Samuel, you have this guy that is both priest and prophet. And Samuel, he's a great godly man that was a leader. And you kind of have a description of what God was after in 1 Samuel 2. Uh, Hophni and Phinehas and and their father were not very good priests. They didn't have good character, especially the boys. Mm -hmm. But read verse 35 in 1 Samuel um, 2. And I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house, and he shall go in and out before my anointed forever. All right. So so what kind of priest do I want? Well, I want a faithful one who will mm-hmm. do what's in my heart, who will do God's will. And I, you know, so this character of this priest contrasted with Hophni and Phinehas and others is the kind of man... God wanted shepherding his people in that case. Mm. Um, If you'll keep verse 35 there in chapter 2, turn over to chapter uh, 13 of 1 Samuel. Okay. And I want you to notice how similar chapter 2 verse 35 is to chapter 13 verse um, 14. Okay. Uh, And he's talking about Saul as a bad example of a king that's going to be a shepherd to Israel because he wanted to compromise God's word. Mm. But verse um, 14, he tells Saul that his kingdom's going to be taken away, but read 14 there. Uh, But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. All right, so a man after his own heart. Mm -hmm. Well, if you go back to chapter 2, verse 35, 
yep. a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart. That's God's heart. Mm-hmm. So you might as well say Samuel was a priest after God's own heart. He he was sincerely a spiritual man who was trying to do right. God's will, will according to his word. Mm-hmm. And he wanted a king like that. So priests needed to be men like that. Kings needed to be men like that if they were going to be spiritual mm-hmm. men. And a similar idea is given in Exodus 18 for the elders of Israel. Right. And so... So well, we're seeing a pattern emerge. Yes, and it's not just one passage out of the New Testament. It is a theological pattern mm-hmm. that goes back even to the book of Exodus for serious leaders slash shepherds okay. of Israel. So we get so where it comes to is like, for instance, the question we were addressing last time was a single man being an elder. And one of the obvious qualifications it lays out multiple times in the New Testament is they need to be the husband of one wife. Yeah. And so you're looking at this and you're not seeing that need for a husband right. and a wife and all that. And some of these are very generic. Right. Yeah. So then you look at this question of, okay, well, I've got a guy who fits these general qualifications. He's a spiritual man. He's a godly man. He's like one Paul. He's judged rightly, like the guy who wrote some of the elder qualifications. Mm-hmm. But then he doesn't match up with that specific thing mm-hmm. of being a husband of one wife. Mm-hmm. Well, there's there's more than just that. Um, for example, uh, and I'm trying to take a theological look, meaning the whole Bible, rather than just those passages because I want to show a principle here that will help answer that question. Okay. Uh, For example, one of the big characteristics in both um, Timothy and Titus in the the characteristics of elders is that this man must be a capable teacher. Mm -hmm. Well, we downplay that, but even in the Old Testament, when it was concerning the king, if you will go back to Deuteronomy... Yes. Is that the way you say that, Deuteronomy? I I don't know about that. But but. you go to Deuteronomy chapter 17, and you go down here to verse 18. Mm -hmm. He's talking about your future king. Read it there for me. And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priests, and it shall be with him, and he shall read in it all the days of his life, and he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers, and that he may not turn aside from the commandments, either to his right or his left, so that he may continue long in his kingdom, he and his children in Israel. All right, so this guy's supposed to be a real good student of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And he's supposed to meditate in it, and it's supposed to give him certain attitudes and avoid certain others. And if you dissect that, that's a lot of what we have mm-hmm. in the characteristics of Absolutely. leaders. If you go to Joshua chapter 1, okay. you have a very similar direction to, to Joshua and... In Joshua 1, verse 7, he says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, Mm -hmm. that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful 
to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So, see, very very similar to the king. Absolutely. Thing. Yeah. And here's a guy that's a prophet and a spiritual leader, but not the king. So, one more, and we'll go to the New Testament. Okay. You've got the parable of the, the um, we're not going to look at this one right now, but the parable of the tenants in Matthew 21. And um, that shows that God was unhappy with the shepherds or leaders of Israel, which were the, the Pharisees and the priests at that day, and he was going to mm-hmm. give it to some other leaders. You've got Ezekiel 34 that God speaks to the shepherds of Israel, which surely included the prophets and the priests and the kings. Yeah. And uh, then when you come, not necessarily to elders, but in Acts 6, when you come to those guys that... We're going to be officially leading the widow's ministry to feed the right. the uh, widows. The deacons. Yeah, we call them that, and that's probably an accurate term. They were servants with a particular task. Right. But um, go to where he says, uh, let's see here. First three, maybe. Probably. Pick, pick from among you. Yep. Uh, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. All right. Men of good repute. Mm-hmm. Uh, full of the spirit. That's almost identical to what he said about Joshua in the Old Testament. It's almost like he had read some of those things before. Yeah. <laughs> so, so these are to be good, godly men who mm-hmm. have a good reputation. If you read the characteristics of elders in First Timothy three, they have a good reputation with them that are without, mm-hmm. you know, yep. etc. So, all of these representatives of God's people that were to lead in some sense had to have a generalized set of characteristics. But in First Timothy chapter three and in Titus chapter one, he gives some very specific characteristics, not just for spiritual leaders, but for a specific kind of spiritual leader who is localized and will be um, looking after one particular group and probably at that time living in one particular place. But, um, you know, 1 Timothy 3, 2, he must be above reproach. Well, that's sort of like of Mm -hmm. good repute or whatever. Right. Uh, he must be the husband of one wife, and it gives you several attitude things. Mm-hmm. Almost reminds you of the king who, by reading the word, was not supposed to be puffed up and have these bad attitudes right. and all this kind of stuff. Um, he gives several others, you know, the not a lover of money. Mm-hmm. Back in Exodus 18, that's yep. one of the same kind of characteristics. So there are general characteristics mm-hmm. here. Yeah. That have fit all leaders from all time in God's thing. But the specific ones repeated here and in in Titus 1 are for these local church overseers. Mm-hmm. And um, God wants them to have experience with a family, a wife, and a child, be, uh, children. Because he says in verse 5 of 1 Timothy 3, If anyone does not know how to manage his own family... How can he take care of God's church? Hmm. So there's even the rationale for being a married man with family. And this was being written by Paul Paul. to Timothy at the church at Ephesus. And Paul was not married. 
Right. Okay. But Paul was not a local church elder. Yeah. But it's I'm, he's not looking at it as, I'm going to write this and write myself out of a job sort of thing. No. No. Because he sees it as a different <laughs> station, so to say. This, this book is inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write these characteristics. And um, you'll notice that some characteristics are similar for the deacons. If you go down to verse... 8 and 9 and verse 12 mm-hmm. and but the the characteristic that's different for the deacons uh, particularly is the one about being a, a teacher of the word mm-hmm. and uh, the, I know a lot of deacons that are teachers of the word yeah but an elder was supposed to be a teacher of the word that was a little bit better student and Titus 1 9 says he was able to um preach the sound doctrine, and also convict those that speak against it because he had a greater knowledge of the Bible. Mm. And uh, the same characteristics we have over in Crete. Crete was very different than Ephesus, two different cultural places, but the same characteristics. Mm -hmm. And um, I think what we really have going on today is some people who have a different hermeneutic about the Bible. They don't have the same idea about the inspiration and authority of the Bible. So hermeneutic being approach to reading Scripture? Yeah, the way you interpret Scripture. See, if if I believe 2 Timothy 3.16, that all Scripture is inspired by God, God Mm -hmm. breathed, and that it's the very Word of God, and that as it was in the Old Testament, so in the New, God expects us to do what His prophets and everything say then these are very specific. They're in more than one culture, and it seems to me we need to follow these. Um, Now, the elder word, there are two senses in which the word elder was often used. Okay. The one sense is the very specific sense of a local church overseer that is appointed by the evangelist to serve as elder. These are in 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1. But... The Jews all also used the word elder to mean a recognized spiritual leader of any kind. Right. Uh, Peter was in that category. First Peter five one. John was in that category. Yep. Second and third John one, and that simply means that this person was a recognized spiritual leader. Paul could wear that title. Hmm. And would be described as that by people, but not as a local, a local. church overseer. Like so this. let's say you're in a space, because a lot of the people that watched the first video and then one of the follow-ups in various ways, they're actually dealing with this, well, how do we appoint different men? How do we look for different men? And let's say they're in one of those spaces where they don't have someone who fits these qualifications, mm-hmm. and they view it as they got to fit these qualifications. Then if they have a... I think they're correct. But if 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 they have a good Bible-believing evangelist that believes in the Word of God, he can encourage these young men in their marriages. He can encourage them in studying. He can encourage them to grow. And when they've grown and, and advanced to a certain degree and they're good teachers of the Word and they take good care of their families, etc., then he can say, okay, now you are you look to me like you're ready to be yeah. an elder. But he would still be respecting the characteristics mm. of the Scripture. And before then, he may identify men in the congregation who are good spiritual 
leaders, but maybe not an elder per se. Yes. And so just trying to think of like all the way... How would they function? Well, like all the way back to that example of Jethro was going, look, you can't take it all on your own. And so the young man or the, you know, the preacher is kind of going, all right, this is a guy who I think could be useful to help with some of the teaching or different things. Sure. A, A biblical... Actually, a biblical example of what you're saying, okay. rather than just speculation. Well, that's what I'm is, saying. Is First Corinthians 16? The okay. Corinthians were very divided. They didn't have any elders, mm-hmm. and they desperately needed spiritual leadership of people that respected God's word. But in First Corinthians 16, verse 15, as Paul surveyed that congregation and the men that were there and the people that were there, mm-hmm. read 15 and 16 there. First Corinthians 16, I'm sorry, verse yeah. 15 and 16. Uh, now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in a Achaia. Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker and laborer. I rejoice that. That's good enough. Okay. So what kind of people do you want to submit yourself to as spiritual leaders? You want to have people like Stephanus who weren't out here fighting and dividing the church, but they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Hmm. They're doing the Lord's work. They've got the right attitudes. Just follow the leadership of those people. What this boils down to is the church needs spiritual people that are doing the Lord's will, and they need to look to those people. Um, Most young evangelists or old ones or whatever, if they're working with a church like that, there are three or four spiritual people that they can look to as good sounding boards, good helpers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're probably going to rise to the top because you'll see them serving yeah. the work as a whole. And those may be some people that can be future leaders, but I think that, um, first of all, I don't see anywhere where the church was managed like a board of directors, and especially a board of directors that are unspiritual people. Hmm. Um I'm not sure the Bible teaches that all decisions have to be made by a board of some kind. Like the men's business meeting uh, sort yeah, of Yeah, I don't necessarily see that in Corinthians or any place like that. We're um, stepping on toes now. I know we are. <laughs> but <clears throat> it's just that we don't discard the Scriptures to put people in positions that they shouldn't be in, Hmm. uh, what we do is we look toward spiritual people and we move ahead in accordance with the Scriptures. And we try to communicate with the church. We try to involve the church in decisions that... uh, When I say the church, I think I mean the women and the men. We We should involve them in decisions about especially about mundane things. Hmm. And we should have somebody or somebody's guiding us in spiritual matters, teaching us the Word. So so would it be a fair statement, uh, let me see, let, if I put it this way, it is less important to appoint local elders 
than it is to grow your congregational your congregation spiritually to the point that an elder is evident. That's right. That's exactly right. Okay. Because I think that that may be some of it. Is sometimes you get in yeah. the congregation and it's like, well, I've got to hurry up and get elders appointed. Otherwise, we're not doing what God's wanting us to do or something. Yeah, and, and we're especially vulnerable in these um, groups if <clears throat> if nobody is asserting over all the decisions the, the Word of God. Is there anything God's Word says about this? How does God's Word encourage us on this? And evangelists, young evangelists, need to be open about that and, and put that out there. And, and uh, people that are studying their Bibles, you know, they need to put those things out there. And if things are not biblical matters, then mm-hmm. the church should decide those things together. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, I mean, even just through the, like the study we've just gone through, it shouldn't be they're devoted to finding the one proof text verse to make that decision it's they're devoted to getting the word of God on their heart to see the pattern he's laid out, the plan he has laid out right. in all situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there is a specific text that speaks to that decision, oh, sure, we yeah. ought to use it. Yeah. Absolutely. I was just thinking like when, when the king, when we read the thing about the king, you know, he actually had to write out his own copy and then study it. And, and it was like he had to get the whole thing under his belt. So oh, to yeah. Say. Yeah, that's right. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a good, broad knowledge of the Scripture that, that people need if they're going to be spiritual leaders. Mm. Okay. So to, to sweep this up in the pile, yeah. you got to follow the biblical qualifications. But you should always lead your congregation spiritually by teaching them the Word and giving an example to them of living the Word. And if you have people in your congregation who are teaching the Word and good examples of, of living the Word, then those people should be touchstones for what's going on. Mm. Okay. okay. Okay, there's there's one other thing that I think we need to tack on to this, especially for some of you that are struggling with this issue. In 3 John, um, you have some characters that are mentioned by the old apostle John who some were good and some were not so good Mm -hmm. but um, uh, the way I read this um, you have this guy um, Gaius and he's uh, the one he's writing to and then he says in verse 3 it gave me great joy to have some brothers come and, and tell about your faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. Mm-hmm. And this makes me glad. Yeah. Um, verse 5, Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. They've told the church about your love, and you do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God, yeah. etc. And then he says, I wrote to the church, but... Verse 9, Diotrephes, who loves to have first place, he loves to have the preeminence, will have nothing to do with us. Many churches out there have some power monger guy Mm. who wants to run the show. Yeah. And that's dangerous. He's not considering what the church wants. And he's he's, one of the characteristics of an elder is he's not self-willed. Right. And so if, if you have a guy like this who just wants to preserve his power... That guy is not your elder right. person. 
he's not humble and serving and just doing what Stephanus was doing in his household. Yeah, you have someone who's welcoming people into the church and caring for people in the church, and then someone who, a little bit later there in verse 10, is putting people out of the church. And yeah, stopping only people because from coming in. they don't want to do things his way. Right. And he's not even uh, giving hospitality to the brothers that are preaching or anything mm-hmm. else because he wants everything his way. Yeah. Uh, I've had plenty of experience in my life with, with leaders who want it their way or the highway, and those are not good leaders, yeah. and they do not fit the characteristics of Timothy or Titus. Just thought we'd throw that in. Yeah, because sometimes it is a, well, they've already been appointed to leadership. Well, we should follow them then. Well, a lot of but, young preachers in churches that don't have elders, that have smaller churches, they've got some power monger, and the uh, only thing too. they can think of to mitigate that guy is to get some kind of leadership board appointed that's got more voice than the power monger. I'll bet you anything that's where this there may be. This comes from part of it. But anyway, beware of diatrophies, the end. So hopefully that helps. Maybe it spawns a few more questions along the way too. Maybe so. But I mean, like we're talking about spiritual leadership is a very important thing in a local congregation, whatever form that may take or title yeah. they assume. Yeah. Um so Let's all be devoted to what is in here. That's I mean, right. That's that's kind of the hope, the goal for all of us. So many people are going away from this that we have in Scripture and saying, well, it's all cultural. I don't think so. That's the reason mm. I took you back to Exodus and walked through and said, no, yeah. this is not just a one-place cultural thing. This is something that's pretty consistent all the way through Scripture. Okay. Well, thanks for that, Dan. And hopefully we'll see you all again next week. Bye. Thanks again for listening to these weekly conversations between myself and Dr. Dan Owen. Conversations with Dan is an outreach and teaching ministry of the Broadway Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky. You can find us online through most of the major social media sites or through our website, broadwaycoc.com.